Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about how Germany was the witch hunting capital of the world at one point. In this episode, I want to talk about why Germany was the witch-burning capital of the world at one point. This article was written by Gwyn Guilford and published January 24th, 2018. The article was published on QZ.com. In 1572, the killings began. That year, authorities in the tiny settlement of St. Maximin in present-day Germany charged a woman named Eva with using witchcraft to murder a child. Eva confessed under torture, and she, along with the two women she implicated, were burned at the stake. The pace of prosecution picked up from there. By the mid-1590s, the territory had burned 500 people as witches. That is an astonishing feat for a place that only had 2,200 residents to begin with. Over 22% of the population was executed. Why is it that modern Europe had such a fervor for witch hunting? Between 1400 and 1782, when Switzerland tried to execute Europe's last supposed witch, between 40,000 and 60,000 people were put to death for witchcraft, according to historical consensus. The epicenter of the witch hunts was Europe's German-speaking heartland. That was an area that makes up present-day Germany, Switzerland, and northeastern France. Conventional wisdom chalked the killings up to a case of bad weather. Across Europe, weather suddenly got wetter and colder. This was a phenomenon known as the Little Ice Age, and it pelted villages with freak frosts, floods, hailstorms, and plagues of mice and caterpillars. Witch hunts tended to correspond with ecological disasters and crop failures, along with the accompanying problems of famine, inflation, and disease. When the going got tough, witches made for a convenient scapegoat. But the drop-off in executions occurred prior to the Little Ice Age of the late 1600s, so this actually was not the case during this time. There's another explanation for the witch hunts, one that can help us understand the way fears spread and take hold today. So this is the economic hypothesis. This alternative theory comes down to market competition between churches. In early modern Europe, Protestantism emerged as the first truly viable challenger to the Catholic Church's hold on the population. The study views the Catholic and Protestant churches as competing firms, each in the business of supply a valuable service, salvation. As competition for religious market share heated up, churches expanded beyond the standard spiritual services and began focusing on salvation from devilry here on earth. Among both Catholics and Protestants, witch hunting became a prime service for attracting and appeasing the masses by demonstrating their Satan-fighting prowess. Catholic and Protestant officials focused witch trial activity in confession battlegrounds during the Reformation and Counter-Reformation to attract the loyalty of undecided Christians. When it comes to winning people to your side, after all, there's no better method than stoking fears about an outside threat and then assuring them that you and you alone offer the best protection. So this concept goes a long way toward explaining not just why witch hunting mania exploded in Europe in general, but also why it took hold where it did 
namely in Germany. Between 1300 and 1850, Germany was responsible for 42% of the trials that ended in death. And this is when you compare countries like Germany, Switzerland, France, Hungary, Belgium, England, Norway, Scotland, Finland, and Luxembourg. Out of those places, Germany was responsible for 42% of the deaths, and that amounted to thousands of people. A total of 6,887 people were executed under suspicions of witchcraft in Germany between 1300 and 1850. Neither holy, nor Roman, nor an empire. Until the 1500s, the Catholic Church had claimed a monopoly on religion. Secure in its dominance, the Church employed a basic competitive strategy against the occasional challenger. It labeled proponents of other religions heretics and either forced their conversion or simply killed them. The Church's two main tactics in this coercive strategy were inquisitions and crusades. But with the German monk Martin Luther, that strategy stopped working. Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of his local Catholic church in 1517. When he did this, he was acting like an early consumer protection bureau of sorts. He was blasting the Catholic church for their exploitative practices. This promise of superior religious service sparked the Protestant Reformation, and other theologians like Ulrich Zwingler and John Calvin piled on, adding to the movement's momentum. So as per usual, the Pope declared Luther a heretic and banned the 95 theses that Luther had written. But it turned out that the Catholic Church's coercive strategy, which worked well in Spain, Portugal, the Italian city-states, and other places where its power was centralized, broke down at the borders of Luther's homeland, the Holy Roman Empire. Voltaire famously remarked that it was neither holy, nor Roman, nor an empire. It had no centralized religion, was most mostly German, not Roman, and operated as a psychedelically complex patchwork of districts that, as the Middle Ages wore on, wrested increasing sovereignty from the emperor. So this decentralized structure made enforcing Catholicism and rooting out Protestantism much trickier. Plus, Luther had the hometown advantage. So before long, a slew of German princes had flipped over to Lutheranism. Enough had done that, that by 1555, they were powerful enough to force the emperor to decriminalize Lutheranism. The name of this agreement was the Peace of Augsburg, but it wasn't peaceful. Now that Luther Lutheranism was officially given the green light, violence broke out across the Holy Roman Empire as princes fought to force their faith on neighboring territories. As a result, Germany became the bloodiest battleground in the Catholic-Protestant contest. Between 1300 and 1850, it was the home to 104 religious battles. That was a quarter of the European total. Now that the Catholic-Protestant rivalries were out in the open, officials had to boost the appeal of their brand to religious consumers by providing even more services. So Protestants offered lower prices for tithing, while Catholics reaffirmed the cult of saints, which encouraged grassroots engagement by beatifying and canonizing candidates venerated by local communities. Among those selected during the post-Reformation were Albertus Magnus, the great German philosopher and painter 
entrance seat of medical technicians and St. Charles Borromeo, a rabid witch hunter who also happens to fend off ulcers. But in these unstable times of brutal weather and constant warfare, the hottest service to provide was protection against Satan and his minions, witches. For centuries, common folks had widely believed in witchcraft. People bought and sold magical services like love potions and spells to help find stolen belongings. Up until around this time, the Catholic Church hadn't been that worried about witches and witchcraft, let alone interested in prosecuting them. But that stance reversed by the mid-1500s as Lutheranism gained ground. Protestants tended to be much warier of witchery. Luther himself authorized the execution of four accused witches, while Calvin urged Genevan officials to wipe out the race of witches. Catholic leaders were getting nervous. They responded with some of the most brutal massacres. St. Maximin's was among them. That, in turn, inspired Lutheran authorities to up their witch-hunting game still more. Witch investigations were time-consuming and expensive, but the payoff could be worth it. After all, what clearer way to quantify the fight against Satan than a big bonfire body count? Religious competition did indeed spark witch hunts. In places and periods where confessional competition was fierce, witch hunts intensified. The slaughter of witches subsided after 1648 when the Peace of Westphalia brought an end to religious wars by establishing the geography of Catholic and Protestant monopolies and mandating tolerance of mainstream sects of Christians regardless of their official religion. That drop-off in executions occurred well before the Little Ice Age swept the area in the late 1600s. In Catholic strongholds where inquisitors were busily persecuting heretics, witches were mostly ignored. The infamously savage Spanish Inquisition executed no more than two dozen alleged witches, and Portugal put about seven people to death under accusations of witchcraft. Apparently, Spain and Portugal were busy prosecuting heretics, not witches. So this analysis explains why witch hunts took off in certain geographical areas and never really took hold in others, but why were Germans and their neighboring regions so much more spooked about witches than other Europeans in the first place? Before the 1400s, Europeans generally believed in magic, but what that looked like varied dramatically by place. Sicilians told of gaggles of alluring women with hands and feet of animals, while Norwegians shared their world with earth trolls. There was no pan-European agreement on who witches were and what exactly they did, assuming they even believed in witches at all, because many cultures lacked this concept entirely. There were a scattering of witch trials in the early Middle Ages, many of them mob violence, but the accused confessed to notions derived from their local folklore. Witches of this era weren't perceived as satanic and they seldom gathered in groups. Then, all across Europe, accused witches began recounting strikingly similar activities. They murdered children, they rode wooden implements smeared with a flight-enabling ointment made of the fat of a murdered baby, they traveled by night to secret witch confabs in which they communed with the devil gatherings of a vast coordinated satanic sect. This concept of witches continued throughout the 
great hunt era of European witch trials and persists in a much friendlier image today that we have of witches riding broomsticks to coven meetups. So where did this witch stereotype come from? Some scholars point to the traveling friars in the Valais area of the Swiss Alps in the 1420s who had been dispatched to combat heresy. As they traveled from town to town in this mountainous region at the intersection of Germany, France, and Switzerland, these preaching friars absorbed and transmitted popular fears. Eventually, they brought word back to religious and secular officials who documented these stories. A slew of theologians began publishing demonology handbooks and guides to exterminating witches, firming up notions of what the witchy do. For instance, that horrible baby fat spell is straight out of Malleus Maleficarum, the Hammer of Witches, that was written by a German Catholic inquisitor in 1487. Malleus Maleficarum is the most famous treatise on rooting out sorcery. For nearly two centuries after the publishing of Malleus Maleficarum, the book sold more than any other book except the Bible. By the 1500s, local pastors had joined preaching friars in spreading this newly standardized concept of witches across the mountainous German-speaking region, priming paranoia that the Catholic Protestant holy wars soon transformed into a full-blown hysteria. It's easy to dismiss this terrifying historical episode as a rational pitchfork wielding by medieval mobs, but for the most part, it wasn't. So this is the account of a witch historian Wolfgang Berenger. So desperate were the impoverished townsfolk to rid their town of devil-driven catastrophe, they offered to sell their communal forest to pay for the services of a renowned witch executioner. He said villagers trusted their institutions and the information that they spread. So the villagers believed these friars and priests who taught them about what witches do and how to root out witches. They believed this so much that they were willing to turn on their neighbors and see a huge percentage of their population executed under suspicions of witchcraft. It's important to keep in mind that the people responsible for doing this were regular people just like us. And something like this, if we're not mindful and careful, could happen again. I'm one of those people who believes that the best way to avoid repeating our history is to understand it. And based on the theories laid out in this article, it shows that the hysteria surrounding witchcraft and the witch-burning craze that took place, it all happened because of the way the masses viewed spirituality. And when that shift took place, they were willing to persecute the people that they had relied on for healing and for spiritual connection with nature and with ancestors. They were willing to throw all of that away out of fear. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about the witch burning craze. I hope you found this episode informative. Thank you for listening.